This is the Tomato Tomato Podcast, a movie podcast, a movie uh, podcast review where we talk about the way movies are reviewed, and we're still kind of reeling from Netflix dropping a bomb on us late last night during the Super Bowl. I Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah. Uh, So we're doing this kind of... uh, not last minute, but like impromptu. we're still we'll impromptu. We're still processing it, but we just we're really excited about this movie. It's Cloverfield Paradox. It's the newest installment in the Cloverfield franchise. Yes. I don't and think anyone was expecting this. I it's so weird. I literally like I had the thought when I woke up yesterday morning, I was like oh, wait, what release date does the new Cloverfield movie have? Because I've been waiting for that space one that has the really good cast for, like, two years. And, man, I hope that we can, you know, work it into our, co- our like, coverage schedule for this podcast to talk about this movie. And I was I had that thought yesterday morning, and then by the time I went to sleep last night, I had already seen the movie. And I was just like, what the fuck? This is crazy. <laughs> like, I... If you don't know what we're talking about, first of all, this is a weird episode to pick, but basically Netflix, like, not not everyone necessarily knew that the movie was going to be distributed by Netflix. It was kind of a rumor that was waiting to be confirmed. But So, so I, I, I've yeah. seen a lot of comments on that uh-huh. and why it was released through Netflix. Uh, I mean, we'll get more into that when we talk about the reviews. Uh, but I've seen people guessing that it was... I'm doing air quotes dumped on Netflix because (laughs) the studio didn't have faith in it to do good as a traditional theatrical release. Yeah, there was a there was an article that came out right as the news kind of dropped that said Paramount didn't really want this and wasn't really sure how to sell this as a big release and thought that it would bomb in that space. So then Netflix just kind of made the best of the situation. And obviously they did like this was it was a clever pivot. This was really clever. And like, I know we have talked about like the, the whole Netflix algorithm and the way that they do their whole business and the way that they market certain things and the mindset of like, well, I'm just going to stay home and watch this movie instead of going to the theater and seeing better movies and whatever. And like, I know there are negative uses of that. Absolutely. But this feels like such a weird outlier because like of a, how they distributed it and B they didn't engineer this movie themselves. It was like a finished, almost finished thing that kind of got dropped into their lap. So it wasn't victim to like the, we're going to engineer all of these people that we like in other Netflix things and make this movie because of that. It didn't come about like something like House of Cards or Bright. It was was a pre-existing franchise. It was its own thing. Yeah, that took advantage of the outlet that is Netflix and Seemingly on the critic side, overwhelmingly it's negative. So far, uh, granted, 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 this <laughs> is still early. Out, the this movie's is, been out for about twelve hours. Twelve <laughs> like, hours. So twelve hours in to its release, it has a twelve percent on the tomato meter, average four point two out of ten, a total of seventeen reviews so far, only two of which are fresh. But the audience part score, that, yeah, is so the audience mm-hmm. score is better. It's fresh at 63% with almost 5,000 user ratings. But see, A, it's so early, and B, I think that, I almost think that the the outlets that 
had to rush to get a review out might have a negative more negative perception of it oh than, exactly because like, like the, the later re reviews will these reviewers had to either stay up late or yeah. get up early this morning to watch this nearly two-hour movie with little knowledge of what it is going into it mm -hmm. other than knowing that it's a cloverfield film so the mindset of a reviewer for this is already kind of thrown off and yeah. having to adjust to that mentally, it, it's a little jarring, which I, I understand that perspective. Yeah. And I, then diving into the reviews themselves across the board, at least the negative ones seem to kind of echo the same uh, critiques. Which review do you want to start with? Let's start with the first one that I came across with. The Hollywood the, Reporter. The Hollywood Reporter. The most scathing one, kind of. <laughs> it is very scathing. Yeah. It, uh, from John DeFore. It, and it starts out, a train wreck of a sci-fi flick that's bent on extending a franchise that should have died a peaceful death almost exactly one decade ago. It's like, God, I don't, that I is don't agree with that ass. sentiment yeah. at all. It's, it's, it's very scathing. Yeah, it... I mean, the Cloverfield franchise is such a weird thing in its own right because it, it is kind of like it wasn't destined to really be a franchise in the no. way that people thought of. JJ was just kind of taking a creative angle to all of these other scripts that he had lying around. And, and I mean, there's an argument to this bigger yeah, tapestry. There's an argument for and against that, but I think it's a it's not something that you see in a traditional kind of franchise space. And Especially Something yeah. like this, when this opening line of this Hollywood Reporter paragraph it just kind of screams fatigue when yeah. we have only had three films from this franchise in 10 years. <laughs> uh -huh. This isn't some MCU level where we're getting two, maybe three releases a year. This is only three movies. Uh-huh. I think their mindset was like, well, it, I don't know. It, I don't even know what their mindset is with that. Me but like, But I do agree that a lot of these reviews seem to consistently point to 10 Cloverfield Lane being like, bar, like by and afar, the best franchise, like best entry in the franchise. And I'm really glad for that. And I totally agree with that. Yes. I love that movie. And like the more that I think about that movie, I'm so glad that other people also see it as this like brilliant little thing of filmmaking. And I'm not going to say that this movie isn't like the paradox is necessarily perfect, but I think what it brings and what it just does on its own is really interesting. Even if it's not done 100% perfectly to me, th this is kind of like the dark Knight rises of the Cloverfield <laughs> franchise, but like it's a, Good, solid movie. I'm entertained. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's the weakest of the three. Uh -huh. But it goes back and connects the previous two in the franchise into one big thing. Yes. And springboards to theoretically do things in the future, yes. which was ideally what they were trying to do with Tartarus. <laughs> um, but yeah, it like i i personally i don't know i think that the way that they pulled this off is really interesting and it, it having having the first thing about this movie like we didn't know the title we didn't know because it like, kept going any, back and forth at one point yeah, it's called God particle yeah because, uh, i think it was one other one 
It was Gar- God Particle or like Cloverfield Station. That's and, right. Because God Particle was kind of the non-Cloverfield version of the movie. Like it was the, without all of the little Easter eggs and references and stuff, that was just what the script was on its own. And so they, I think they filmed a lot of that and like referred to it as a God Particle. And then they went back in and reshot it to kind of fit more into the Cloverfield lane. I, I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And... It, I mean, like, I think it's really interesting. I think it, I don't know. I kind of, I love this anthology sort of aspect of taking things almost Twilight Zone-esque. Well, where, yeah, because yeah. Abrams is a huge Twilight Zone fan. Yeah. And, like, I, I do like, and I'm I'm genuine, like, in a, for the most part, I'm kind of satisfied by the fact that if you're looking for it, this does connect the other two. Like the amount of fan theories that I've seen and now I'm kind of in the mindset of of like how this essentially springboards one and two and all of the other ones going forward and whatever, I think is a really interesting thing, even if it's not pulled off like 100 percent. I mean, yeah, it's it's not like every episode of the Twilight Zone landed. Yeah. Well, or uh, every episode of every TV show. Exactly. Yeah, I the great thing about the Cloverfield franchise is each movie works well individually on its own. Uh-huh. You don't know, you don't need to have seen the previous two, but if you have, there's a payoff and exactly. it's rewarding in that way. Yes. Uh, so the John DeFore of Hollywood Reporter, the previous Cloverfield films have similarly thrown viewers into barely explained realities and their entertainment value has been defined by the limits of those worlds. Uh, 2008 Godzilla-like movie, claustrophobic scenario. Uh, what else does he say about this? It says, in Paradox, we're mostly struck by the need to push Alien and half a dozen similar films from our minds in the hopes of giving a damn about the subpar space station action before us. Seeming to understand how underwhelming the drama is, Ona stages some of his pivotal crew debates off-camera, letting us listen to colleagues bicker while we watch, say, CG footage of the station's moving parts. In in a way, I almost think that the... Because the, one of the biggest complaints I've seen is all of the different things that aren't explained. Like, the hand and the like all of the different ways people die and all of the things that don't necessarily come back I almost think that they didn't necessarily need to and I think having them all thrown at the wall is almost kind of a play on that kind of sci-fi aspect of it yeah because to me it was kind of explained in the movie with uh Donald Logue's character, yeah. who is the brother of the guy from Ten Cloverfield. I Lane. think so. I'm, oh, I'm also like full spoiler warning. <laughs> well, duh. I, I think yeah, people know at that this point. Part. But, but I, yeah. I think it was explained in that little interview with Logue's character, where he says the the whole Cloverfield paradox. It'll unleash monsters, demons, weird shit going on, cross dimensions and universes. I almost to, to yeah. me that was enough explanation. Yeah, and I know it's kind of a cop out to some people, and I I do for as much as we complained about JJ and his mystery box in the the <laughs> Last Jedi episode, I do think that this when it's done on a smaller scale like this, it, it I don't know. There's some sort because of those, benefit from those, it. Those those to me those little mystery boxes yeah. aren't like the crux of the film. It don't yeah. ruin my enjoyment. I don't need the mystery solved. Yeah, I I have the theory that it's like all that each crew member's death was reflective of how they died in a different dimension. 
Well, see, there's also I saw someone point out there's a line in Ten Cloverfield Lane where John Goodman's character offhandedly mentions something about space worms. Oh, yeah, yes. But so, like, I, so there's yeah. all these little things like that uh, where it rewards you. So I don't need direct answers for all of these things. I've been with J.J. Abrams since Alias in 2001. <laughs> so you're I, like, I'm here. I'm, I'm, he I'm with him. I'm so used to the mystery box and that I know what to expect <laughs> with his work. And, and I'm, and in a way, I'm glad that like th this level of sort of storytelling is being given to POC directors and yes. like given to different people to kind of fit into this world, as opposed to JJ just like dictating an exact sequel. Like it, it just seems like they're like they're all given this creative freedom to kind of do their own thing, which I think is really commendable. And yeah, I he's kind of shepherding all this. I don't want to say new talent, but, but it is these talent. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly why everyone lost their mind at Twitter yesterday, because it was like, what is Ava talking about? What is going on? <laughs> and it was this movie because she was so excited about the fact that like this cast being what it is and being so diverse and full of like genuinely fucking good actors. Like I remember reading the cast list for this movie Same. around when 10 Cloverfield Lane came out and I was like, holy shit, I am excited. This cast is fantastic. And so, and like having that and having like a young POC director and having this be kind of his break into like the mainstream cinema sort of thing I think is just a really cool thing and I, I get that not everyone who's watching this would completely like appreciate the significance of that and is just going to kind of measure it by how much it measures up to the other movies but I almost think you don't need to like I think that yeah. that's the wrong way to look at it in a way uh, so jumping over to Sam Ashhurst, so yes. I butchered that from Digital Spy. <laughs> yes, the he, positive review. Yeah, uh, he he's he's not saying it's a perfect movie. Yeah, which he literally it's not perfect. The science is BS, and it gets slightly silly at times. The I nature, agree. Yeah. The, yeah, it does. Uh, the nature of the premise means that the filmmakers can get away with throwing in stuff that doesn't make sense without having to justify it, which is basically what we just said yeah. about the mystery box. But we'll leave those complaints for the nitpickers. In terms of sheer entertainment, the Cloverfield Paradox is a joy. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been enough beautiful images here to keep hashtag film Twitter account <laughs> one perfect shot in business for a month. Uh, yes. Agreed. The The look of this film is great. And I'm glad we're, we're kind of getting away from the every spaceship has to look like an Apple store. <laughs> This is like this is how I love I love spaceship movies that look like this. I love having colors and I love having like in a way I can see people that are like, oh, this just looks like the pilot of a of a TV show because there are moments where it looks kind of like Doctor Who esque and whatever. But I, I almost I did see uh, I did see a comment uh, uh -huh. someone said about this this movie is like a Doctor Who episode where the Doctor never shows up. <laughs> It is. It exactly is. It, it's like a Doctor Who episode where the Doctor never shows up, or it's a Black Mirror episode written by like a fifteen-year-old who hasn't really seen like the full technological fucked upness that is in every Black Mirror episode. But I, but as its own thing, I think that it is still really good. And like, 
I, it's not perfect, but I like it for what it is. And I'm happy that we got it. And I'm happy in a way that it, that now everyone can see it if they want to. And like, exactly. yeah, I'm glad yeah, that I'm, it's not a thing where like 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane was fucking great, but it was a hard sell to kind of convince people who weren't as familiar to go see it in the theater. I, I think both of these, well, really all three of them, the way that they're marketed, I, I think it works to this movie's advantage to not have a lot of trailers and months and months of buildup. Yeah. Cause you're just going to give too much away. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I think that's part of, well, it is part of the marketing strategy cause they know they don't want to give too much away and they can just put the word Cloverfield in the title and they know people will automatically be curious about it and want to go see it. Yeah, exactly. And like, I was thinking about that too, because the way that we psychoanalyze trailers this day, these days, even if we had gotten the Super Bowl teaser and like maybe one other trailer and then the movie came out in April, that would have been too much. Yeah. I, I mean, between the time the initial trailer and the movie's release came out, I guarantee there were about a hundred think pieces already yeah. on the trailer. Yeah, but but like this just lets it stand on its own and be its own thing and not have all of the I mean no. it still has the preconceived notions but not in that level that like you normally have going into a movie. That being said though, the first trailer for 10 Cloverfield Lane like I I gen that is one of my favorite trailers cuz like Same. I just I think about that sometimes and it makes me really happy because it's such and a the, good trailer. And with the original Cloverfield too. See, I'm I wasn't in the fandom nah. when that was a thing i it wasn't was i didn't see it in that, the theater i just like saw it years and years afterwards and i will admit i don't like the first one as much as i like the second one i think that the first one is both a product of its time and it's really good and interesting like it's not a perfect movie the first one but like no yeah but uh, i like it for what it is so as digital spy goes on to say if we have one complaint it's this this is a movie with a black director and black leads that could have been a huge hit at the box office sitting alongside Black Panther as positive proof that audiences want to see more diversity mm -hmm. on their cinema screens. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I fully heartedly agree. I'm, this is I'm a diverse really, cast with yeah. talented actors. I'm really curious to see what the numbers are because like when the numbers came out for Bright, they were really fucking disheartening. <laughs> it was like if Bright had screened in theaters, it would have beaten The Last Jedi in the box office. So if that was the case with that turd of a movie, I'm very curious what the numbers are going to be with this. It's, especially with it being on a Sunday night after the Super Bowl. And it, having that amount of people like prompted by it and whatever. Yes. Yeah. And like they, they ran a second commercial after the game to say, hey, it's on Netflix now, which was yeah. kind of perfect because if you were watching it and you didn't necessarily retain that information from the first trailer, then you were reminded, which like that's a good use of like $10 yeah. million. <laughs> like, <laughs> it really point. is. Like, wow. But yeah, it. I'm uh, trying to think of what else there is in this review. Yeah, Digital Spy um, also says... Uh, it propelled by a stunning Hitchcockian score from Bear McCreary. Yes. It, oh, yes. It good? He, he's good at that music stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well-spoken. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is very Hitchcockian and I, I like that. And like everyone who's brought on this movie from a technical aspect is fucking just nailing it. Like so good. Uh, uh, I noticed Colleen Atwood was the yes. costume designer. Yes. She's fantastic at everything she's she does. Oh, so great. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then let's see. This this is a film that turns a trilogy that even Paramount were calling an anthology series as recently as January into a coherent whole. It retroactively makes Cloverfield and Ten Cloverfield Lane into better movies, with one moment in particular tying into the first film in such a satisfying way that it'll make Easter egg fans punch the clouds with glee. Okay, so do you do you think that the monster at the end, what do you think that was? Do you think it's something separate or like yes and no i think that is i don't know i've seen it called multiple things like earth a earth one Uh from the original cloverfield film Uh because so when that first movie came out there was a lot of arg stuff going on yes yes uh and it explained that that monster that we saw clover was just a baby yeah so So i've seen i've seen people suggest that this is the mom yeah, because this one is obviously much larger. It, it can puncture fucking clouds. clouds. <laughs> I love so. that shot at the end. And I know people are like, oh, that's kind of a cop out. I love that shot. I think that was great. Like that just was Me like too. the perfect. That is like, the perfect way to end it. What the fuck kind of ending. But yeah, I. I... So it, it opens up all these questions about like, which earth is this? Is this a new earth? Because uh, yeah. there were several points during this movie where I thought they were going to be the satellite or piece of rubble mm-hmm. that you see fall to the, the, to the ocean in the first one in that little kind of post credit scene. My, we could be right. Yeah. No, so here's the thing, that they're not on the right part in the coast. Like when they fall, the guy tells her husband like, oh, they're off the coast of Connecticut or whatever, which doesn't fit with the Coney Island. Like, oh, that's right. Thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but my theory is that that was either a piece of shrapnel from that satellite falling into that, like the, the Cloverfield One Earth, or it's like another version of the satellite falling into another. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's still, it, it could still be tied to the satellite. I just don't think it's the one that we necessarily saw at the end of the movie. I th- it would have been a weird, like, fucking crazy ending if it had been like they land in the water and then the events of Cloverfield One are <laughs> happening. But I'm almost, I'm, I'm happy that in a way that it's not that and like we get all of these different possibilities of like the different earth aspect yeah and and there was another bit of connective tissue that i thought was going to happen Uh uh, just because of how much time had passed in how he could travel uh yeah hamilton's husband who's still on earth he Uh was messaging someone it's like hey can i stay in your shelter Uh Uh i fully expected oh shit we could see uh uh, what's his name? John Goodman. John Goodman's character. I I thought maybe for a second, it's like, oh, are we gonna see him? As soon uh, as they like, as soon as I saw the name of the person he was texting, I immediately went to like Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'm like, what the fuck is John Goodman's character's name? And it wasn't. But like, as soon as they got into that bunker, it even looked somewhat like the same bunker. Wh- and which I you was know like, was intentional. It, it was intentional, and I was like, holy fuck! But because- I I I like that kind of like the echoes of stuff throughout these movies as opposed to just like very overt and specific like references or ties. Yeah. Cause like, it's yeah. especially with something like film, there's nothing that isn't done unintentionally. It's yeah. all by design, especially yeah. with these movies. Exactly. And like, I, especially the thing of like, 
Donald Logue's character being John Goodman's character's brother and like having the lady that's interviewing him being the lady that is like screaming to enter the bunker yes. in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Like I, 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 at first I thought, oh, well there, that must just be two different points in the timeline. But then I thought about it and it's really just different aspects of them on different earths and whatever. Yes. So like maybe on the 10 Cloverfield Lane earth, John Goodman's brother died or something, but he might still know that lady for some reason, or maybe she doesn't know him and is just like, by chance but so it's like everything like whoever they're playing in each earth would still be the same it's just we now know more information than we did at that time which i think is fucking cool like i like that it's such a good setup for future installments it is it really Um, is but someone would disagree (laughs) the thrillist (laughs) jordan hoffman yeah i'm just gonna skip all the way down to the end of this review and this is where I kind of rolled my eyes. Uh-huh. And this is where I think film criticism is losing its way and is <laughs> becoming a parody of itself. Like, I get it. You're trying to be witty and cool. Uh, but this is what he had to say. I had a blast making fun of this. And I didn't spend anything on gas, money, or tickets. If I had gored uh, myself during the Super Bowl, I would have hit the last remaining bag of microwavable popcorn in the back of the cabinet. This was a bold step in entertainment and marketing, even though the product itself was basically crap. It was still a win for Netflix and consumers. This time next year, when a surprise fourth Cloverfield movie is expected to hit theaters, let's just hope the surprise is of better quality. Uh... I think outright calling a movie crap is not good film criticism in any way. No, and I, I, I think that, yeah. I think that there's like this movie is not perfect, but it's not crap. That's my yeah. thing. I also it's think like, I, I I need <coughs> reviewers to let this movie sit for a couple of days before they watch it. Exactly. Exactly. Be be in the the right mode, the mentality to consume this movie. Yeah. Which also, but also, that's exactly what we did. We watched it as soon as physically fucking possible, and we're now recording our reactions. But at the same time, I know I'm going to watch this again at some point. And I, and in a way, I think there's there could be a completely different conversation to be had three days from now, as opposed to just now. But like, I don't and, know. I, this movie will bad, sit with you. Good or bad, it all plays to the movie's advantage, because yeah. people are talking about it. Exactly. And people are going to want to watch it. Yeah. And the the level of nitpicking like it it it, it got out ahead of that in a way. And Which it, I also think because there's so much more nitpicking is because it's at our hands right now. Yes. We can't go back to the theater, you know, every day to watch this and cough up $10 for it. We can examine <laughs> yeah. it frame by frame right here and now. Yeah. Uh so Thrillist also says this movie opens with some really shoddy writing, but once you get past the first act and they get the drive to work, things settle into a groove. They jump into parallel universe, uh, which they call keep calling different dimension, which is annoying because that's an incorrect use of the word. But my thought is that works within the world because they don't like it's okay that they don't know what the fuck is going on. It's okay that exactly. they're referring it something that isn't necessarily scientifically accurate like and i don't need a science yeah. lesson from thrillist i know well and like yes there are little holes in the movie like the the asian 
crew member and how like as one as this review points out it's like either everyone understands her because they're bilingual or there's some sort of Chewbacca situation going on here <laughs> but I'm like okay if you're all on the space station you would be multilingual like in one way or the other so I, I think that that's just like a very small nitpick but I've seen other people complain about that and I'm like like it's a weird yeah, hill to it, die on but yeah it I don't know I've seen a lot of comments about how tall Elizabeth Debicki is. Understandably so, because she is very tall. She's, she's fucking tall she is and underrated. Tall. Also, I will agree with Thrillist. She yeah. is very underrated. Also, can we, if, if 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 the universe wants me to be happy, which I think is slightly possible because this movie came out way earlier than I expected to, please let her and Evan Rachel Wood play sisters in a movie. Seriously. Like... Good fucking lord. They were separated at birth. It's kind of ridiculous. I want them to both just act their asses off in a movie together. It would be amazing. But yeah, that's just my little sidebar. <laughs> uh, so Thrillist also says, Alas, the wild imagery has to end, and a rope plot tries to tie everything together as our team attempts to make their way home. None of the oddball horror stuff is explained in a good way, and the final act bogs down in chasing and fighting. Then there's the very end of the movie that tries to staple Cloverfieldness to this all, which certainly won points for me for its audacity. At, at least the at least he's like giving the final shot credit, even yeah. like yeah. Even if you don't like this movie, you have to love that final shot. Yeah, and because that whole scene, I've I've been thinking about that whole scene since I finished watching it and trying to think about like like not necessarily overanalyzing it, but my mind just keeps returning to that of like the husband screaming on the phone and then it pans and then there's the monster and whatever. Like there's just it it, it just hits you like a car crash kind of, and then you're left kind of being like, well, wait, what just happened? Which, which is kind of like how Ten Cloverfield Lane opens. Yes. Yes. Which now now thinking about how Ten Cloverfield Lane ends. It, how it would have read if she escaped the bunker, saw the aliens, and then credits. Uh huh. I I wonder how that would have read because it's kind of similar to this, in a way, where it it's is. like, oh shit, they're landing into this uh, monster situation. It, it just me kind of spit like how it would have read. Well, I mean, and I feel like the ending of of Lane kind of reads that same sort of way because it's like she sort of, I mean, she doesn't necessarily see the aliens, but she like hears that there's danger and then she goes towards it, which is almost to an extent how the, this movie ends because they don't know what danger is on Earth. They're just going towards it. And I think that that's really interesting. And even like the ending of the first one when it's the the found footage and then you see the thing drop out of the sky. It yeah. is kind of like they all have this through line of ending on the characters being unsuspecting of what they're really up against. Which I really like. Yeah. Like, I think that that is kind of an interesting through line. And I think, I don't know. I just want, I, I, I people are going to shit on this movie so much <laughs> over the next couple of days. It's going to be, just, yeah. Cause uh, Thrillist says it's like sunshine meets 2010, the year we make contact. But in a little bit, it's going to feel an awful lot like Alien. Then it feels like Star Trek Discovery. I've also seen, I haven't seen the movie, but uh, people compared it to Event Horizon. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. So that I feel like people have seen that are going to compare it to that. So I, I really have no frame of reference for that movie. 
See, there's so many things that it's like that I almost think that that in and of itself is an intentional message from the movie or like an intentional kind of it part pulls, of it. It pulls so many familiar tropes and settings and characters. Yeah. Like making like, it this gigantic pastiche, I think, is trying to say something in and of itself. Yeah, I think it works on multiple lovers. Like you said, it works there and it... it it's just an easy, quick shortcut for yeah. us where we don't have to spend a half hour establishing the situation and the characters. Yeah. We already get an idea of who they are and what's going on and we can just dive right into it. Yeah. We get like, it, it does fall a little tropey at moments, but like, I think that there's a reason for that. And I think within a film kind of context. And it's, it's a sci-fi film. I mean, like, I don't, I don't and, mind getting a little tropey. And like the first Cloverfield is fucking tropey as hell. It's all just like for me, the most un- unbelievable part of Cloverfield is how <laughs> many attractive white people are hanging out <laughs> together and how they afford that apartment. Exactly. I buy into the monster, exactly. not that apartment. Yeah, I uh, watching the first Cloverfield. I, I hate most of the characters in the first <laughs> Cloverfield because they're so like stereotypical and obnoxious and that's the point is like you're kind of you're building on the like what you are expecting going into one particular thing and then you're subverting those expectations and it's that with the first one it's the the bunker sort of aspect like the haunted house sort of thing of the second one and then this being the big like star trek kind of space aspect like and now and now that takes us right into overlord yes which and, is taking oh, it in a whole new direction, but it's something I, that's been telegraphed. Yeah, it, it has, because they say, Donald Logue's character says, there's going to be sea monsters, there's going to be aliens, and there's going to be um, demons. demons. And reading the description for Overlord, those are fucking demons. And yeah. I'm, I'm here And it takes that. place during World War II, so it's kind of... We already have this kind of element of time travel. Yeah, or movies. like, yeah. So I, I, I'm really I curious that, to see. I think that the mindset is that like what happened in Paradox is now by extension, like making that thing happen in Nazi Germany. Like, I think that, that the, that's kind of the reading that I've seen some people sort of get with it is like whatever happens in the future movies can in a way be explained away because of Paradox creating the Paradox to begin with, which I think is kind of an interesting lens to view through everything it's not what i expected and i'm here yeah. for it yeah I'm, I'm i'm just curious to see how they're gonna fit in slusho into world war ii <laughs> just have like a character whose nickname is slusho <laughs> <laughs> or something just throw that in i don't know it, it would be great in kind of a really ridiculous way but yeah i'm like i want to make a cloverfield movie that's the point that i'm at because yeah. this is just so interesting and because the uh, uh, the your Cloverfield movie could be anything. Anything. That's the beauty of it. And I think that that's really cool. And I think I, that I, yeah, having, yeah, having this platform to have people give a shit about different aspects of sci-fi and horror and all of that, I love that. I love that JG has kind of curated and developed this, this franchise where creative people can go and fuck around, do crazy things, and it... it it's their own thing, but fits into this larger thing. Yeah, exactly. Because and it's Cloverfield, it gets them exposure. 
Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm genuinely excited for the, the director behind this and to see like what, what his career becomes after this, because this is kind of the way to break through. Yeah. I checked earlier, the writer and the director for this, they hadn't really, they've done a few things, but nothing that was really huge. Well, the yeah. director, he did, he, he wrote 22 Jump Street. That was his biggest film. Oh, okay. Before this. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see where they go next. Yeah. I'm just... God, I, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. Go like, I'm like, watch this movie again. If you're listening to this, watch this movie again because <laughs> odds are you like it, it will shape sort of some sort of aspect of how you see this movie, good or bad. But yeah, I'm just really curious what the conversation is going to be, and I'm kind of glad that we're a part of it. So yes. yeah. Also yeah, for I'm... our last segment, I'm like, can we have um, David Oyelowo and? Gugu be Hawkman and Hawk Girl, please. I'm like, so down for that. I thought that during the movie, and I'm like, <laughs> give that to me now. <laughs> like, good that lord. Would be perfect. Yeah. I'm like, everyone else has either been in a superhero movie or probably will be at some point. So. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I think that's it for us. Where can people find you on social media? They can find me at the Chris Vitto on the socials. How about you? All right. They can find me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn, also on Instagram at that same handle. You can find us on Twitter at Tomato Tomato Pod. We have a Gmail account, same thing. We have a Facebook account, just search for Tomato Tomato Pod. We are setting up a YouTube page. So if you want to go back and look at our old episodes and stuff, you will have the opportunity to do so. So, yeah. Um, we will have an episode out later this week because this was definitely unplanned. So we yes, will still was. do the episode that we were planning to do this <laughs> week. So but, don't give us more warning next time, Netflix. Yeah. Well, but also don't. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm happy with this in a way. But yeah. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. Except right now.